Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Walker, super excited to have you on the show today. Um, I'm going to attempt to do a bit of an introduction, which I'm sure I'm going to butcher because this is the, the first time I'm meeting you in person. But for those listening, Jeff is a father, a family man, a entrepreneur, and the real reason why I have you here is author of the book Launch, which I've got your your new updated and expanded uh, version of it. Um, and so I'm super excited to pick your brain on a few different levels. One from you know the entrepreneurship background and your story for how you've ended up where you are with this incredible success track record. Um, there's even a story at the beginning of the book that I'm going to ask you to kind of reiterate for me because it's, uh, well, it's insightful to, to the journey and kind of your, your mindset behind things. Um, but then beyond that, too, the content of the book, and we were just talking about the word content, so now I'm going to be aware of it every time I say that, but um, the, the topics in the book are super valuable, and one of the coolest things for me has been to see how the concepts in launch have evolved with the digital age now, mm-hmm. but the principles haven't. Um, and so it's just really cool. So I'm excited to kind of dive in. But um, if you don't mind humoring me for the, the, you know, the to get us started, there's a story in the book early on where you're describing, at least when I was reading it, I'm envisioning like a dark basement and, you know, working away on an old desktop computer. You know, I, I probably am over exaggerating no, no, it, but no, probably not. But, <laughs> but it, I think it's a, a story worth telling because so many times, you know, a lot of my audience is entrepreneurs in the early stages, you know, or, 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 you know, people trying to climb corporate ladders or whatever it might be. But, but we're at a different stage than you're at now. And what stood out to me from that story, it was the, the common traits of where you began. And so I think it's worth, worth people hearing, if you don't mind sure. humoring me and, and sharing the, uh, you know, kind of that intro story to the importance of that click. Yeah. So in, uh, this, is, this is the mid-90s, in 1996. And at that point, I was a stay-at-home dad. Uh, I had been a corporate failure. I, you know, I'd gotten a corporate job, a couple corporate jobs, and it just, I didn't do well there. Square peg, round hole type of thing. And when my wife was pregnant with our first child, actually, no, when, when, our, when my son was about a year old, um, is when my wife finished grad school. She was going to grad school. We were in Boulder. And at that point, she landed a job, and I was, like, about to get fired at my corporate job. So I'm like, I'll, I'll just stay home and take care of Dan. And, um, and that's what I did. And a couple of years later, we had a, a second child. So now I'm home taking care of two small kids. Now... That's fairly normal now, but in the mid-90s, it was really weird to be a stay-at-home dad. It was just really crazy. Um, and we were straight, scraping by. You know, my wife had a good job, but it was a one-income family. And I, and I came up with this idea of publishing an online newsletter. And I didn't know what would happen, but I just thought if I started to gather subscribers to my email newsletter, then something good might happen. And I had studied the stock market a lot of knowledge about the stock market. It had no credentials. I wasn't a stockbroker. You know, I used to do operations management. That was my career. Uh, so it wasn't a stockbroker, wasn't a registered investment advisor, wasn't a certified financial planner. There was no letters after my name. I had zero credentials. And I was down in the basement 
and it was dark in that basement. <laughs> like we had these little tiny windows that were that big, and I was on like this old uh, 386 computer, you know, back in whatever Windows it was back then, and dial-up internet, 100. percent that's all there was. Yeah. It was like, you didn't say dial-up internet. You just said internet. Yeah. Everyone had dial-up internet. <laughs> but don't answer the phone. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and so uh, I started publishing this newsletter, and, it, and I published it twice a month. And, and the, first email, the first newsletter went out to, I like to say, 19 uh, email addresses. One of those email addresses was my second email address. One of them was my wife's email address, but it felt better to say I had 19 subscribers rather than 17. 17. <laughs> you know, you're looking for little victories. I had nothing going at that point. Anyone in the world looking at me would have said, you know, outside he's got a couple of great kids, he's got a great wife, but the dude's basically a loser. You know, he's in his mid-30s now. He's never, you know, he, he quit his job five years ago. So this Mr. Mom thing wasn't, you know, it wasn't a few months. And it wasn't because I sold my company and I had 30 million bucks. Right. It was just because there was like sort of no other options and we wanted someone home with the kids. and. Anyways, started publishing that newsletter, and it started to, uh, the, 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 the subscribers started to grow through word of mouth. And, you know, after that first newsletter, I got two or three people, and then four or five people. And then I figured out how to put up a website. So it all started even before a website. Uh, I didn't, couldn't afford a domain name. Back then, they were more expensive than they are now. So it was on my, it was like my service provider slash tilde jaywalker was like literally, I didn't, that's, that was the address of my website. But then more people started joining. And I don't know, by, you know, three or four or five months later, by later in the year, I had now had hundreds of people on my newsletter. From doing it twice a month. Yeah. Yeah. And initially it was once a month. And then I realized that wasn't enough. So I did it twice a month. And so then in January, I decided to roll out a, a paid version of the newsletter. And I wrote what I now know was a sales letter, but I, it was all via email because putting that up on on, on, the, on a website, didn't know how to do that. Taking payments, didn't know how to do that. That used to be rocket science. There was no PayPal. There was no Venmo. There was nothing. So I wrote this sales letter, sent it out via email. It said, hey, I've got this upgraded version. This is, you know, the, the phase became free to fee. Um, and I have this upgraded version. If you want to get it, print out this email or you know print this out here's a form in my email write me a check and send me the check mail the check mail me a check and amazingly enough i had a few people buy so like i you know these days you when you hit that click that button and you hit that send you you expect data you know you've got analytics and and things happen quickly then i was gonna say and it's instant yeah but now i sent it out and then i went to bed because i didn't you know i didn't know. Next morning, I wake up and the guy wrote back. He said, "I'm sending you a check." And he was in Switzerland. Blew me away. You know, I'm just like I'm. I'm in the Denver area. I'm just like down in my basement. And the thought that someone in Switzerland is going to send me a check just blew my brain. So in total, in the next week, we made. I made one thousand six hundred and fifty dollars in sales. And everyone's got a frame of reference, different frame of reference on money. But for me, that was like if I could have done a backflip. I would have. I mean, it was just mind-blowing. Yeah. As I went into starting this up, my goal, if I, and it was actually my wife came home, Mary, and she's like, hey, could, one day she came home from work and, you know, under so much pressure, 
sole, sole breadwinner for the family, getting up and driving in the winter, driving in the dark, coming home in the dark, just wanted to be around her kids. And, and she's like, could you just somehow make an extra, you know, if you could make $10,000, it would take so much in a year that could take so much pressure off of, off of me, off of us because we're scraping by. Yeah. And so to make 1,650 bucks was just amazing. And, but this is what was, what's important is, is that I had never had anyone pay me for something that I created. I had never made any money outside of a paycheck in my life. So when that first order came in, I was like, this is a whole new ballgame. I was just going to say, did that, like, it change your perspective on the world? It changed everything. Opportunities? everything. Because I had this thought, you know, you know, I haven't had that many great thoughts, but I've had a few of them. There's, one a, of them, there's a few. One of them was start building that email list, which I started, you know, in, in August of 1996, focused on that just exclusively. And the second one was like, if I did this once, I can do it again and again and again. And, and I might even get better at it. And, you know, just to, there, there's, that was almost 30 years ago, right? There's a lot that's happened, but I've had some success since then. I've had, you know, I figured a few things out. I've, and now I've got a business, I've got a team. So all the money doesn't go right into my pocket, but I've had many days in my life where I've sold over a million dollars of products in one launch, in one day even. And by far, you can take a million dollar day, the most important launch was $1,000. The first. Because it, it proved to me that I could create value in the world and get paid for that value. And that's what entrepreneurs do. It's that simple. I mean, you're, you know, because you're, you're, in this, you're, you're in it, yeah. right? You're in it. And um, it's just once you, you know, you sort of, everyone has to suspend their disbelief early on. And which is a big, it just rolls off my tongue, right? Suspend your disbelief. It's easy to say. It's hard to do. But, you know, back then I didn't know any better. I had no expectations and I was desperate. And, and, And when that first sale came, I was like, oh, the game has just changed. Everything. People pay me. They, they, the guy's sending me a check for Switzerland. What I think is interesting about it, too, remind me to come back to suspending disbelief. Um, but, you know, this idea of, like, the overnight success that took, you know, fill in the blank, how many years to, to accomplish. I think it's interesting that you, 30 years ago, had the foresight to have the consistency still of the newsletter did you know early on that someday that would be monetized like or or did it turn into kind of an epiphany for you of like or was it desperation even like what was the trigger point of because at some point you were sending out the newsletter with no you know to 17 people with no intention of of a launch walk me through the evolution of that and where did the where did the light bulb go off where you thought maybe this is worth something yeah well, first of all, a lot of the stuff, I'm, the way I'll say it now, it'll sound like I had a lot of foresight. A lot of it was just luck yeah. and just being in the right place and, and just evolving, evolving, evolving. So if it, you know, sometimes it sounds like I really had this master, no, it's just making it up as I went. But to tell you the truth, Ben, when Mary came home and said, can you help support the family in some way? And that's a hard thing. You know, you're 35 years old, you got two young kids, and that's a hard thing to hear. I mean, it was, I'm blessed that she came back 
and said that to me. Yeah. But and and it's been an amazing journey, and she's a huge part of that journey, and she's in my business in a major way now, uh, and has been for almost 30 years. I'll tell you what, though. So like I, at that point, I had this idea of possibly selling information online seemed like it was it was gonna happen at that point i was into the stock market so i studied the stock market one of the ways i studied the stock market was i went and i read i was reading the wall street journal on microfiche if anyone remembers that the library from a hundred years ago so a hundred the wall street journal started around 1898 or something like that so like i'm reading this i'm like this newspaper's been around for a hundred years Clearly, there's something. Someone's making money in the publishing industry. Just, it's just they wouldn't be doing this 100 years later if they weren't making money. So, someone, so there is money in publishing. Mm, so you were realizing there was money in the information. Yeah, and and I consider myself a publisher, and I always have. And I mean, so to me, it was clear there's money in publishing. There's going to be money in publishing online. But I also had so so that was one thought is there's going to be a money here somehow. I don't know how it works. Online payments don't know how to do that. No, everyone's afraid to buy stuff online, but still there's something here. But then there's another thing is like, and this, this shows you how like my thinking has evolved since then because the, so that was one path, but the other path, because I was looking for insurance was maybe I'll go back to school. Maybe I'll go back to school and get a, like a grad degree. And this is my, my flawed thinking was I'm going to, go back to school, spend two years getting like an MBA, and then go back into that corporate world where I failed in the first, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so it's like, it's, it's pretty, pretty flawed thinking. But it's like, to get into grad school, to get into MBA school, you can't, like you said, I'm a resume. And my resume is like, for five years, I've been making peanut butter sandwiches and taking care of my little babies. That's- Gotta show that I've been doing something. Right. So I thought- Interesting. I'm going to publish a newsletter and I'm gonna put that on my resume. And I'm not gonna tell them it's a free newsletter. I'm not gonna tell them it's an email newsletter. I'm just gonna say I got X number of subscribers. And I'm like, if I could get to 600 subscribers. It feels. It'll, be, it'll feel impressive. So I'll, I'll you know, like when I fill out, so this is summer and, and you know, the, by the fall, if I could put on a resume, I've got 600 subscribers to my newsletter about the stock market, then I could get it and go and get, you know, finance degree. So it was, it was a weird little thing. And, and here's, here's another little anecdote. I don't tell this story very often, but um, I did apply to grad school. So I, I got these two different tracks going. I'm building this. I'm thinking I might do, do a launch, which we, we didn't call it a launch then, but I might come out with a paid newsletter. And, um, and I applied to school. And I got into the school. And early January 1997 now, is the first week of school and I do my launch and I have that $650 and then I go to my first class and I go into the class and this is, it's a big, like, it's a graduate school, but it's still, there's like 80 kids, kids. I'm like 35, everyone else is like 25. And I'm in there listening to the professor and the professor's like, and I'm just like, I'm like, I don't belong here. I was going to say, I don't think that going back to school is a fit for a corporate failure, you know, (laughs) with hindsight, obviously. Yeah, no, so I'm like, looking around, looking around. And in the middle of that class, I mean, I've spent six months on this grand plan to publish a newsletter to get into here. And I just got up and walked out in the middle of that class. Wow. That was the end of my grad school. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because you bet on yourself. And that's one of the things. So I want to hear more of your thoughts on this idea of suspending disbelief. I don't want to butcher it, but there's a, 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 a... a subtitle I'll call it on the book and I could just look at it but it's something to the extent of that you can sell anything online or you know it's that and I know that you have a niche specifically for you know certain types of businesses the launch formula mm-hmm. works best for mm-hmm. but I love cuz there's some some concepts in the book too about how the economy has evolved consumer behavior has evolved you know I mean there's all these complexities with the job market and there's there's so many variables there but this idea that you can sell anything online to me feels really inviting really optimistic um and as if it is creating opportunities for so many people with a dream and with value to add and that's what i love about this idea of a launch because and you know I, i work with hundreds of clients in hundreds of different verticals and and everybody's so passionate about the thing that they're doing or you know the business that they're building they're experts in that industry and shifting that perspective of that you can sell anything online to i hope i'm not butchering that too well, bad I think but I have almost in there almost, almost yeah, there. yeah which is a good caveat um and then this idea of suspending disbelief it's and then you know the 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 proof of concept when you bet on yourself and you know walking out of your first grad school class which said what a great story by the way yeah tell me more about the philosophy behind the idea of suspending disbelief well so this is the deal so anyone if you want to start a business um, if you want to do anything in your life, you know, we were just talking about skiing. You know, if you want to go and you want to go ski a double black or if you want to go heli skiing, if you want to like any change in your life, start a business, decide you're going to learn a language, whatever it is, you you are a different person on the other side of having done that. In fact, you're a, a different person on the other side of deciding to enroll in yourself and make that decision. And so... The suspending disbelief is all about our internal belief systems because we're, we all have plenty of doubts, and that's what holds people back at the end of the day. So I, I teach people how to launch and grow their online businesses. But, and, and I've got all, this, you know, all these systems, all these trains. I've got coaches. I've got a great big team now. You know, it started, it was just me, and that was me and Mary, and now there's like 40 on my team, and they're all over the world. I think we're in like eight different countries, um, and, and and so I coach people on how to start businesses. And I can share, I can coach, but the biggest, the hardest hurdle is to get them to believe that mm. it will work for them. Is to, yeah, is to, is to get them to enroll in themselves. And anyone who's doing any type of teaching or training of, of anything, and, and I've got students in every niche you could imagine but no matter what their niche is whether you're teaching people how to hit their tennis serve better or do shamanic healing or meditation or have a be an amazing parent or learn a second language if you're teaching or training anything the first thing you have to do is 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 personal development for your clients we don't say that. I don't say I'm going to do personal development for you, but I'm working on their belief systems right from the start. It's just like, you know, I just had a ski lesson this morning, and the instructor was fantastic. And 
you could see that he was just working on our belief systems and our belief in our ability to make a turn, you know, to, to, to make a beautiful turn, to be able to slip slide and do pivot turns. And, you know, and, and I'm a fairly good skier, and this is a, I was in a small group, and these were very advanced skiers, but still you could see him just working on the mindset. The mind is, I think, the most powerful thing by far, and I've, I've said it. Mm-hmm. hundreds of times that I truly believe our perceptions become our realities and, you know, what we choose to focus on becomes magnified. So choose accordingly. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a huge subscriber to that idea of mind over matter. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and especially in the starting a business world, if you don't believe in you, how can you expect a client to believe in you? Right. I mean, so I, I totally, I, I definitely, the, the weight of that resonates me, resonates with me in a, in a huge way. I'm curious, when you're first interacting with, you know, a, a new entrepreneur, a, a, somebody who's trying to, to start a new online business, can you tell right off, right out the gate if they believe in themselves or not? And then a follow-up question to that would be, what would be your advice to anybody listening that is struggling with what I'll call imposter syndrome or, you know, self doubt. And, you know, cause we both know how incredibly difficult the entrepreneurship path is and, you know, being able to, to survive the ups and downs would love to hear your advice. So two part question, if you can tell right away, you know, from if people believe in themselves or not, and then your advice to those that are struggling with the, the imposter syndrome type stuff. I would say, you know, the first one, tell whether, right away whether they believe it. I think it, there's a lot of tells, and it's often easy to see, but it's, um, but I, I'm, I'm also wrong at times, and so I do my best to suspend judgment. Mm. Um, I've had people come in, and I'm like, in the back of my, back of my head, I'm like, this is going to be a tough one, and then just absolutely crush it. And so um, you, there are some tells. Usually by the time they get to me, by the time they would, like, become a client of mine, um, they, it's already filtered out. And the people that don't believe. Just the there. fact that they're there means something. Yeah, yeah in general. You know, it's like, it, it's, it's oh, what's the phrase? Um, I, I did a vision quest a number of years ago, and it's like, you know, it's like the respect the calling if you feel that call. So if someone feels called. You know, either to if it's just like I started out out of desperation, right? That was that was my lever, but a lot of people in my world, and I I tend to attract people that are more about more service oriented, that they just they want to change the world, and and I mean that's where I've evolved to. But I didn't start there. I started out of desperation, and then after you know almost thirty years now, had a little bit of success, and now you know I do it for the for the impact. Um, but they, it's, it's if you if you feel that calling, like I, I have a friend in town, you know, awesome person, and she said to him, and and you know most people in town, um, and I don't you know I know people are going li- to hear this from all over the world, but we're sitting here in Durango, we're both from Durango, and being from Durango is an amazing gift, and um, and it's just a different feel and a different vibe to live here. But I had someone in town, most of the people in town have no idea who I am absolutely no clue because I'm, I operate across the world. I don't focus on Durango. And frankly, I try to keep a low profile. <laughs> I don't blame you. Right. I mean, you don't ever see me like my stuff around, you know, it's no, it's like, 
I, like my book was in Maria's, and I saw that. I'm like, I want to buy all of them in Maria's because I don't want, you know, I don't want anyone <laughs> coming across my book. And then here there is this podcast host hassling yet. No, yeah, but I'm just kidding. Yeah, but um, but but this person in town finally she sort of figured out what I did. And I'm like, yeah, we do this, and I, I teach people how to grow, start and grow the online businesses. And she's like, well, what if you're just like the kind of person that just you know doesn't want to do that kind of thing? I'm like fantastic there's a lot of people that are and most people we, we are, we're I'm like a weird alien to 98 99% of the universe but the people that if you feel that calling those are the folks that show up yeah and break on through yeah how about your advice for folks struggling with imposter syndrome or self-doubt and you know riding the highs and lows of the early stages of building a business well first of all yeah, there are highs and lows, and those highs and lows never go away because we're creatives. That's what we do is we create. And I think that creatives tend to have higher highs and, and, and lower lows. Yeah. It's just well Something I'm actively working on and, is, and, <laughs> you know, recognizing that some of that's my own doing. Right. And so you just build in strategies, and, and it, it's just it's inherent. You wouldn't be able to create at the level you're creating if, if you weren't that way. That's my belief. I'm not a psychologist. But I've studied psychology quite a bit. I was going to say that and, we're going to get there. Yeah, and, and I think it's a matter of figuring out how to manage those highs and lows. Um, and and I, I certainly, you know, maybe when I get to 50 years in business, I'll, I won't have them, but I think I probably still will. Yeah. <laughs> I think I will. Evidence suggests that yeah. we'll continue. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, the, the, we can talk about ways to manage the highs and lows, but I think for the imposter syndrome – 90% of the people in this game have it. Um, it's, I, for whatever reason, I don't tend to have that. Um, what I would coach people to is, like, well, first of all, especially if you're in this business, in, in, like, my world, most of my clients are, are have some type of a information, a training, a coaching, a consulting, whether it's an online course or a membership site or a, or a coaching program or something like that, you know. 10, 20% of my people might have a digital product or something. I mean, a physical product, but most of my people are in that selling some type of training, coaching, consulting. And the thing to remember is like, first of all, you do, I, I have to be careful here because there's this phrase, fake it till you make it. And I'm not a big fan of that, especially there's a lot of things where like if you're helping someone with their finances or with their health. Probably shouldn't be faking it. Yeah, exactly. But the reality is that in any market, the vast majority of people are beginners. Guitar playing. You know, there's, there's Eric Clapton, and there's 10 million people with a guitar sitting in the corner, and they don't know how to play a single song, right? And so if you're not Eric Clapton, but you've been playing for years, and you can play, you've got a great repertoire of 30 songs, and maybe you've been a teacher, you you know enough to teach all those beginners. You know, they, again, I have to be careful because I don't believe in the fake it till you make it in general. Right. But there's a saying in, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. And so you just have to be a few steps further down the road than the people you're helping. Mm. And and then the thing, like, if you're in my world, if you come into my world anyway, you'll, you will hear a refrain of baby steps, baby steps baby steps it's about 
creating those early initial successes. That's why I was like, I got 19 subscribers. It's not 17. And then like the next the next newsletter, I probably had 21. It was like, woohoo! Yeah. You know, it's amazing. And I just actually came across my journal from, uh, you know, I've been journaling forever. And journal from like in like 1997, 1998. And I was in my journal. I was tracking each day. Like I got three new subscribers. I got four new subscribers. It's like, oh, I lost one. But yeah. And and so focusing on the baby steps. Mm-hmm. Not focus. It's like so many people, they're like, it's like if you're going to design a house, they're, they're sitting down, they want to build a house. So they're getting plans made. And they they just can't move forward until they figure out what color they want their door hinges to be. It's like, don't worry about the door hinges, get the damn thing, get the foundation put in. Right. right? So it's like people, they're really great at telling stories about how they have to have everything perfect and everything figured out. And the reality is in in the world we live in now, and we can talk about this, but like, you know, so I've been, I do a lot of video, I do a lot of live broadcasts. um, And these days so much live broadcasts are so effective and the great thing about it is you don't have to be perfect yeah. no one expects you to be perfect you, the, the expectation for quality uh is for on video is way higher like if the, if we we're putting out a produced video like we we're going to do a ben and jeff you know training on how to live in durango and you know ski on wednesdays and still do you know here's here's our training course audio's got to be crisp lighting has to be there probably some motion in the yeah yeah. but if it's live we got a freaking webcam and we're good yeah and we stumble and we say stupid stuff and and the lights go out it's all that's just live so you don't you, you can be a lot less perfect these days than ever it's almost like instead of that idea of fake it till you make it which I agree, has some caution with it. It's more of trust the process. Um, and that's why I think, you know, why I'm excited to kind of dive into to some of this, the, the ideas behind launch, because nowadays I really think showing up matters. I had uh, a gentleman named Josh Rosenthal on the show a few weeks ago. We were talking about ultra running, and he has this philosophy that the starting line is your first finish line. Just the fact that you showed up is admirable. Just the fact that you're starting an online business is admirable. Yeah. And just the fact that you registered for an ultra. Right. The, you know, the change happens when you push that button and you register. Yeah, no, it's. And I think, you know, for example, it's, it's, I relate so much to your, you know, tracking your, your subscribers. So I, I joke with my wife, but I'm serious with the podcast. All I have to do is an episode a week for the next 25 years. <laughs> yeah. and then, but it's fun because every time I release an episode, I get four or five new followers. Mm-hmm. And it's just this steady, consistent, organic growth that are people that are getting value from the content. So I know that they're sticking around and, you know, part of a community that we're building. But I think that that idea of consistency, showing up in the first place and trusting the process mm-hmm. can kind of remove some of those variables of imposter syndrome or fake it till we make it yeah. or whatever. You mentioned psychology. And so just so you know, quick background, very brief anecdote. I've got a business partner. I have a, I'm your standard, you know, entrepreneur. I've got a degree in marketing. I've been in sales my whole life. I'm the visionary. I'm the creative. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm the the guy doing that. My business partner though, compliments me 
perfectly. She's got a degree in psychology. She's the operator paying attention to details. And it's been really fun to see how the passion for marketing, the salesmanship, and the psychology have merged nice. to, you know, to create a pretty powerful, powerful combination. You talk about, well, there's so many concepts in the book, why the process works because of psychology. And you even relate, you use an analogy um, of the launch model and Hollywood with, you know, trailers and, and things like that. I would love for you to, you know, briefly kind of unpack the similarities behind the launch process and a new movie being released, a new blockbuster. Yeah. So for everyone just getting to know me, I, I teach people how to launch and relaunch products and services. And and if you think about the way Hollywood, so a movie's coming out, right? It, if they're doing their job right as a studio, it's not like you just drive by the theater one day and see a movie, right? They build up to it. They have a trailer in advance. Now, when I was a kid, they would have one trailer and it was a month ahead of time. Now, like Marvel's got a new film coming out, the trailers start what a year ahead of time. Actually, they you know when the trail when when the promotion really starts is for Marvel films. Do you like do you like yeah uh, as much as the next guy? Yeah. But so when does the promotion start for the next film? I would guess a year, six months. I don't know to be honest. So have you ever gone to a Marvel film and the credits roll, and then the light and then and then it screen dims. And then it comes up, and there's this extra scene at the end that seems well, always about setting the hook for the next film. Mm. So, so it's two years out, and, and they're already setting the hook in the previous movie. And then, you know, a tra- another, then, then they really start to ramp it up. There's a trailer probably about a year out. And then there's a second trailer that might be six months. And there might, might be a third trailer coming out, you know, a few months ahead of time. And now they're starting to ever. In fact, nowadays... The advertising is often about the trailer being released. So they're running ads for the trailer. So this is all just building anticipation, turning that release into a huge event. Then, you know, the two weeks beforehand, what happens? The actors start going on every podcast and all the talk shows. And it's just all about building this buzz ahead of time to drive the initial sales. And then hopefully that drives word of mouth. But it's, it's very orchestrated. And it's intentional. And it's, it's intentional and it's a sequence. So you might miss one trailer, you might even miss two trailers, but then you still catch the actors on a podcast or something like that. So the way we do a launch is very, very similar. It's where you're trying to turn your marketing into an event. And you're and, and the way we do it is we'll typically share two or three pieces of content ahead of time, pre launch content that gets people excited, that does a specific it's a specific sequence to walk right into the release of the product so that when you do release that product, you have a bunch of sales, you have a bunch of momentum, and uh, life is awesome. So when you're releasing those, uh, we kind of think of a better word for content one of these days. That'll I've, be I've our task thinking, after that. I've been thinking <laughs> about it for years, and I still haven't yeah. come up. Yeah. But those, those pre-launch the, the, the pre-launch pieces of content that are being released, one of the a curiosity I have, and I think that would, would be valuable for people listening to hear your insight on, I come from a place of a lot of organic marketing, social media marketing, things like that, and we're always preaching how important it is that we're adding value, mm-hmm. whether we're entertaining, educating, inspiring, whatever it might be, 
the content's only going to work if it's truly valuable. I think that there's some parallels there with your, you know, your origin story and the newsletter and truly adding value and knowing what you were talking about and things like that. As it relates in the context of a product or service launch, help us understand some of those parameters about the types of content, you know, uh, teaser stuff. Is it salesy? Are we adding value? Just kind of help me understand the, you know, as it relates in the in the confines of, of the launch the launch formula. Yeah. So typically. There, what, what we'll do is we'll have three pieces of pre-launch content. And often there, there's a whole pre-pre-launch that comes before that, but we'll leave that aside. The, pre, the, the pre-launch phase could anywhere be, it could be five days, seven days, 10 days. And this, is, this, this assumes a, a pre-existing audience. So you have, I mean, I'm a big fan of email. I always have been, still am. It's still the thing that drives the sales. Social's great. Um, and, and, you, and nowadays, a big shift in the last five years is, is thinking of your audience not just you've got social or you've got email, but it, you know this—it's it's all one audience. Yeah. And, you're, and you're reaching the people on your email list. You're still you're reaching them via social, and the people on social you're trying to drive them to your email list. But in any case, three pieces of pre-launch content, and so the first thing you have to do is show people—it's what we call the opportunity. You're showing people that there's an opportunity that their life can be better. Whatever we're selling, no, no matter what, whatever your business, whatever you're selling, you're either uh, delivering pleasure or taking away pain. It, it just boils down to that. So for you, you're probably taking away pain. Like you're, you're helping people drive business to their business. So it, this is a real pain. These people have got a business. They don't have enough. They, they don't have enough visibility. They don't have enough clients. They don't have enough prospects. So you're taking away that pain in a big way. Maybe they're having, maybe you're dealing with a little bit of, blood of, bit of pleasure. Like if you do a video and they end up looking cool on video and they can show it to their, their friends, maybe. But it's mostly you're taking away their pain. But the first, the first one is that their opportunity that life could be better. So if you're teaching someone how to be a better parent, you're showing them that they can be actually be a better parent. If you're teaching how to quit smoking, that you can actually quit smoking. And, and so it is very much educational. In my, in my opinion, the pre-launch is educational. It's easy to be too educational, yeah. to over-teach. And I know the people I tend to attract into into my world, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but we, in, in, this, in the business I'm in of, of teaching and training, there's a lot of people doing it, right? You tend to attract people that are like you. So if you're a great, there's people that are amazing salespeople, and they tend to bring in people that are amazing sales. I'm not an amazing salesperson. I'm just sort of like a, a regular guy that's pretty easy to relate to. And people are like, if Jeff can do it, I can do Those it. Those are some of the best salesmen, by the way. <laughs> Well, and I have learned how to sell over time, and, and I am passionate about my work, so I'm passionate about changing people's lives because they're going to change their clients' lives. But anyways, that first one is getting them to believe that they actually can change. And if it is something like quitting smoking or losing weight or being a better parent, there are often things that they've tried. You know, someone else lose weight, and they're you know over 35 years old. They've probably tried 10 different diets. They've you know, they've tried the patch, they've tried this, they've tried all these different things, and they've failed. So you have to overcome that to show them that, you know, I, I know you've probably tried these other things, but... But there's hope. There is hope. What a powerful emotion, by the way. It is. It's incredibly powerful. Uh, it's also dangerous in marketing. I think it's, it's the most dangerous word in marketing. It's if you depend on market, if you depend on hope 
you never want to use hope marketing, right. but hope if you're shipwrecked at sea, or there's a lot of places where it's super, super powerful. And so what we're talking about is the opposite of hope marketing. We're talking about engineering this. So you take people through this opportunity that they, they I could, you know, I thought it was just me. I thought everyone else could learn a second language. I've tried it, but I could never do it. But you're giving them that hope. The, then the second piece, you're moving more into like what we call the transformation, and you're getting them to envision how their life could be transformed, who they will become. Because if you quit smoking, it's not just like you've quit smoking, you've stopped spending money on cigarettes, obviously you, you improve your health, but also you're gonna improve the health of everyone around you, you're gonna be an example for your kids, and you're, you're gonna be have an example of being someone who's taking agency over their life, and so you've made that example for your kids, and that's going to carry through their lives into your grandkids. You're going to be alive now for your grandkids. I mean, you start to explore, even if it's like, I have one amazingly successful student, and she teaches people how to knit sweaters, very nice sweaters. And, and you, you, might not, you might think, okay, so opportunities, well, you, can, you, have, you get to knit. So maybe you can relax, and you, you get a sweater at the end. The transformation of someone, anyone who takes on a difficult thing and then follows through and completes that difficult thing, there are different people on the other side of having finished that sweater. And when she started leaning into really focusing on that transformation and doing it in concert and in community with everyone else going through this, all of a sudden her sales, her sales were already really good. And I'm talking like six figures in an hour on how to knit sweaters oh she's well into you know well into a million dollar business a million dollars per year how to how to knit how to knit sweaters and i could i could tell you story after story after story like that and she's a remarkable person um and but like when she started really leaning into that transformation instead of just like you know you're gonna you're gonna finish your sweater what it would mean for you to be someone who took on a challenge and and completed that challenge then her sales just like doubled. And so those, that's like the first two pieces of content. And, and this is, um, I wouldn't say it's salesy, it's not salesy, at all. You're, you're educating. But it's also designed to take people down this path. Right. It's engineered, it, it's intentional, every piece of this. So uh, the third piece is what we call ownership. And that's where you really ask people to start to take ownership of this future person. Who, who they're going to become. You know, you're going to become the person that, you're not just someone who can drive the ball 10 yards further when you're golfing. You're the person who can walk up to that first tee with confidence because you know, like, the, whoever the starter is or whatever they call it, you know, they like, that first tee is nerve-wracking. Everyone's watching the first tee, and everyone's nervous, but you're going to be the person that you got all kinds of confidence when you step up there that first tee. And I want you to own that. And you're also starting to bring them into ownership of the product you're going to sell, mm -hmm. the course, the membership, the coaching program. And then the fourth, so that's all pre-launch, and then that leads into what we call the open cart, and that's where you open up and start taking orders, and the open cart is all about enrollment. And this actually circles back to what we were talking about early on. You're asking them to enroll with you, enroll, enroll in your product, but you're really you're asking them to enroll in themselves. Mm. And that's where they go from being oh, wow, that, that's pretty cool. As we walk through that pre-launch, that's pretty cool to, yeah, that might work for me, to, 
yeah, I can do that. And I see or how it might impact other things. Yep, I can do that. So I can do that. Is If you're doing it right, like at the end of pre-launch, that ownership piece, that I can do that. Owner and enrollment is, I will. Mm. I will do that. There's also a concept of that open cart phase. I'm going to butcher the terminology again. But it has to end. And it has to be a firm end. Why? Uh, well, this we're going to get really technical. I like to say something bad has to happen if they don't yeah. at the end of the cart. So um, the people respond to deadlines. So that first launch that did one thousand six hundred fifty dollars. The second launch did six thousand, a little over six thousand dollars. Basically, the same list of people, very similar offer. The only difference is I put a deadline on the end. And so, so the first time you and obviously this was all. In development. Yeah. So the first one you did, you were just like, you can buy my, buy my new... Buy ah. yeah. And then the second time I put together a special offer. I can't remember. I might have put together an extra bonus for it or some type of pricing deal or something like that. But the second time, which is like maybe four months later, I roll it out. And it starts out and we're sort of it's tracking. Well, I decided it's going to be, a, I don't know, a week long. It was either five days or seven days. I can't remember. And sales are tracking just like that first launch. So I'm like pretty stoked. I'm going to make $1,650 again. That's awesome. Woo-hoo. And then that last day, you know, all of a sudden there's a few more sales. And then about three hours before the close, the numbers just went through the roof. And we went from, you know, $6,000 instead of $1,600. And that was like... I learned something. Well, yeah, and, and that's so, it's so insightful. Just yesterday, we had some clients in here, um, and we, we're right now we're in the phase of our, our kind of like big, deep marketing plan meeting with all of our, our you know, our, our A clients and kind of planning it out. And this business is very heavily driven by sales, you know, red flag out front type sale. And uh they were mentioning that, you know, they've been reactive. When we need business, we'll have a sale and then we'll extend it or whatever. And because of some of these things that I've been learning, I was able to give some advice on, first of all, let's plan it well in advance. And then second of all, let's make it a true sale that ends. Otherwise, everybody's going to just think that there's going to be another sale next week or, you know, something like that. Another interesting just... uh, I don't know, validation or, or, you know, and I know you've got a stack, stacks of evidence, but just for fun for in my world, I've got, we do a lot of targeted programmatic ads through the trade desk and long story short, I ended up with a million or so impressions through them that, that I get to use and I could choose how I wanted to use it. So we sent out an email to all of our clients and said for the first six that reply with a testimonial and a, you know, a positive Google review, we're going to give you 40,000 impressions of advertising for, for free. But I knew I would do more than six if, you know, if, if only six, it, like it's just the number I set, not knowing really how it would go. And within two hours of sending out the email, we had 10, you know, and we're, we're, we honored all of them. But the, the, the psychology behind it ending or scarcity or whatever it might be, I think is so so powerful it's it's incredibly powerful and you know the way you know some people are like it, it turns them off that this idea but the re, the reality is like i'm in a business that change people's lives and 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 basically having that deadline 
it's just it's just a moment. It's like okay, we're going to take. I've walked you down this this garden path up to this threshold, and now we're at the threshold, and now it's time for you to decide. And my and it's the way I think about it, it's like my gift to them is having this deadline because it forces them to make a decision. Because here's here's this crazy story. So when I started out, um, I actually. Um, I don't know, it was like nine months, long before I actually did that, started publishing that newsletter. I, this is a long story I'm going to make short. I learned, there was this course, it was actually on a floppy disk about, it was called Turn Your Computer Into a Money Machine. And it was about selling little information reports on CompuServe and AOL. I don't know if you remember those or if you were even alive. I remember them. You know, and, and so it, I bought that, and and I spent $99.50 on that. They shipped me the, the, the little disc. The floppy disk. It was actually really solid. It was really strong. Um, it didn't have anything about the Internet, but I could take it, and I could transfer it over the Internet. But I bought that course, and then I sat on it for about nine months until my wife came home and said, hey, can you somehow help contribute to the family? And she sort of put a deadline on it. If I didn't have that deadline, I, you know, I wouldn't have done anything. So, you know, I've just, we just had, we just did a promotion last week and I, you know, here's the deadline. And sure enough, all these sales came in. Some of those people wouldn't have bought. And I'll tell you what, a year from now, though, I can't guarantee all of them, but a lot of those people, their life will look nothing like it looks right now. Their, every area of their life, their income, their freedom, their impact is going to be transformed. But half of them wouldn't have bought. Yeah, I didn't put that deadline in. Which I think that's probably an important, uh, you know, clarification or, or caveat with all of this. You have to actually sell something of value. Yeah. You know, have to actually impact lives. And right. you know, the the we can't follow the launch formula, you know, and and sell snake oil, yeah. so to yeah. speak, I mean, and, could, and see repeat sell, success. Right, yeah. yeah, but but it's like, I mean, that's not the game any of us want to play. And, and you know, part of, like, the thing, the thing that's um, sustained me for so long is, like, one of my core skills is, is uh, I'm just good at community and building community. And I've, like, all of our clients, we turn them into this amazing community where they're, they're supporting each other. And so... You know, I, I know these folks really, really well. And I've gotten, and some of them become dear, dear friends of mine. And we've been through a lot together over, you know, I have this mastermind group um, of my highest end clients. And they, they many of them have been in the group for 13 years. In fact, we bring them here every every summer. We actually do a meeting in Durango. So we've had, and they're from everywhere in the world. Yeah. You know, we've got people, I think we've got six continents represented within that group. There's like 40 people in that group. Um, they, they sell in, you know, in Portuguese, in Italian, in French, in Spanish, uh, in Japanese, um, Canadian, <laughs> no, uh, Finnish, um, uh, Swedish, and so they're from all, but they all come to Durango in the summer, and we have a meeting here. Um, and I don't even know how I got onto that, but y- the reality is, every like if you follow sort of what I teach, you end up being very interactive in your teaching. And again, I keep on going back to teaching because that's most of my students yeah. are online courses and membership sites and coaching programs. And if you're like you just do it in an interactive way, 
So like when you're first starting out, maybe you've taught people how to meditate. Maybe you're, you're great at that and you've taught people one-on-one how to meditate. The next step is to do it for a small group. But these days you can do a small group and that small group could be around the world. You can do it on Zoom or YouTube Live or whatever. But if, you're, if the first course you're actually teaching live to them and you're responding to questions, it allows you to create a great course. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, I didn't, I spent eight years teaching people about the stock market. Then I started teaching people about marketing after I established my chops. But just because I was good at marketing didn't mean I knew how to teach marketing. So the first time I taught it was in a live environment. It was actually on phone calls. That was before Zoom or anything but very interactive. So now I teach and I look at what questions you have. And they, by the questions, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. Probably should have put that in there, yeah. yeah like, oh, duh. It's like, yeah. So, but that's how you end up creating a great product. Yeah. Very interactive. And a community. Yeah. I mean, we, we, the same concept applies with social media marketing in general all the time. We, we tell clients, if you want engagement, you need to engage. Right. You know, it, it has to be a two-way street right. and it, that feedback stuff. So I'm curious, you know, we're 30 years in, tremendous amount of success you know obviously the you know the book success the business success all, all of that stuff i'd love to hear from you what's been you know you when now you get those moments when you get to kind of look back what's the most fulfilling what are you most proud of with this this whole the whole journey that you've been on i'm proud of um wow i'm proud of a lot uh, I, I'm proud of the communities I've built, especially those mastermind groups. I have a high-end coaching program we call Launch Club. I'm super proud of Launch Club and, and my actually two masterminds. They're, they're such amazing communities and just incredible humans of people that are doing amazing work. Um, so I'm proud of those communities. I'm proud of what my clients have done, who they have helped. You know, I have people that you know, teaching about autism that have made an incredible impact. I had, you know, during the... During when the pandemic hit, I, I have someone who, I, he's an MD, and he learned from me how to create a program on reading echocardiograms, and all of a sudden the pa- pandemic hit, and they that needed to be out there, and he ended up giving thousands and thousands of people access to his his course on how to read echocardiograms. Wow! And there's people in the world that are not having heart attacks because of me. You know, it's sort of weird, but so I'm proud of that impact, that dog training, meditation, uh, parenting, uh, herbalism. You you can't even begin to name them all. That People's lives are being improved because of my students. So I'm super proud of that. Um, I'm proud of my team. I've got a great team of just A players. You know, being a, a leader for my team was not natural. I'm not a manager. But I've, you know, over the last ten years, I've sort of figured that one out. Um, I think, you know, being a leader in the industry was a natural for me. Being a leader for my clients was natural. Being a leader for my team was it's different. Yeah, and so, I'm, but I'm super proud of my team. Um, I'm proud of my kids. They're amazing. They're they're adults now. I'm super proud of them. I'm proud that I've been married for 34 years now, and I got a great marriage. And I think one of the things I'm really proud of, because we live, we're talking, we're in Durango. Again, I know a lot of people are going to listen to this in Durango. A lot of people are going to be from around the world, but we're in Durango. I'm, I'm in Durango because I can live anywhere in the world. And um, I've got some very dear friends. We get out and play out in the natural world quite a bit, uh, skiing, mountain biking, uh, running rivers. And one of my very best friends 
for decades said, you know, one of the most amazing things about you, Jeff, is that you haven't changed. Hmm. And he's he's like, most of the time that's not a positive for people because like, you know, you want to evolve, but he's like, you know, your income might be 50 times what it was, but you haven't changed. So that's something I'm proud of. Yeah. Yeah. Alan, how cool to hear this, the idea that not only have you impacted the lives of your clients, but that you've acted, you know, impact helped them impact other lives. And, you know, this whole ripple effect of positive benefits and, you know, positive impact and things like that. I mean, I, we've got a philosophy here, the giver's gain, you know, the best way for us to win is to help others win. And we grow our business by helping others, other businesses grow and things like that. And I, I think that that's probably one of the most direct paths to a fulfilling life yep. is adding value, you know, making meaningful impact on people. And I think that's one of the coolest things about your story has been the scale at which it has happened. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's None. wild to see. I mean, and I've been reading, you know, just like there's even some, I'll call them case studies or, you know, uh, some stories of, of success in there. And it is wild. It's so cool. So cool to see. So anybody listening, I seriously encourage you to at least check out the book or the YouTube videos or, you know, at least familiarize yourself with it and then obviously see if it's a fit and, and dive in. But it's a really cool, it's a cool concept. It's something that I've, it's something that I've intuitively understood on a broader level, but then like learning the details of it and, you know, the, especially the psychology behind it and things like that for me has been super, super valuable. So Jeff, I want to thank you so much for giving me a little bit of your time mm-hmm. because I know how valuable that time is. So I want you to know that that is noticed. That's appreciated. Um, and more so than that though, thank you for, for doing what you're doing. Thank you for the impacts that you're making on people. Thank you for the message that you're spreading. You know, thank you for being willing to, you know, share some of 30 years worth of experience and knowledge with, with others and, uh, you know, impacting lives across the board. So I just want you to know how much I appreciate it, how awesome it is. And, and just thank you again for, for being here. You're welcome. This is a lot of fun. Awesome. Really